Hello, my witches. This is the Marvelously Mohawked Witch Podcast, and I am your host, Stephanie. I'm very thankful to everyone's kind wishes during my downtime during the last full moon episode. I recently had abdominal surgery, and I'm, I am on the mend right now, so um, I'm at home doing some healing. I'm currently recording from bed. So... It was partially cosmetic and partially medical from my vast weight loss journey beginning back in 2017, so. But never fear, I have all that I need. And as I begin this episode, I had hoped that my Squarespace website would be up and running. However, that's not the case. So, um, you may have a request for merch and goodies. I do actually have things ready to ship out. Uh, We just have to do it a little differently than if I had the website up and ready to go. Um, So if you want to, you know, you can DM me on Instagram or Facebook through... Oh wait, I don't have a Facebook, that's right. So Instagram. (laughs) Um, Or you can um, use the Square account, Venmo, Facebook Pay, or PayPal Pay. So those are a couple different options. I still have my metal wine glasses, I've got my bumper stickers, my bookmarks, my notebooks, so I would greatly appreciate it if you chose to go to my patreon.com forward slash marvelously mohawked witch, but I understand if you can't. Sometimes subscriptions are hard. That's okay. It would also increase my visibility on the Patreon website, so there's that. Anyway, don't forget to follow my Instagram, marvelously mohawked witch. And as I see fit, I will add new material, upload for full moons, rituals, maybe even pictures of my tarot spreads that I've been doing. Um, That's a thing that I now have time to do a little bit more of. So I just want to thank everybody for downloading and thank everybody for listening on Spotify and Stitcher. It is very, very humbling to see that people want to listen to this content. And so I definitely appreciate that. Thank you. So today we will be discussing the Sabbat Lunasa. As I stated last year, it is pronounced Lu-na-sa. And it falls at the beginning of August. And it represents a time to offer up harvests and to feast on them. Um, We see more fairs and festivals during this time. This is when you start to harvest that first crop or even a second crop depending on what you're you're planting you bake bread you're sitting around a campfire you ruminate over your family with your family with your friends you're enjoying your time together basically you're seeing the sun going down a little bit earlier and we also see some more weddings in this time or hand fastings either way is cool enough but still warm enough that it is almost perfect for outdoor ceremonies Now, as I had stated on last year's episode, you can make a corn dolly using corn husks, flowers, and prairie grasses. In the area I live in, we are seeing some extreme drought and crop die-off, which means most farmers are struggling, so you may not have that option. Um, But if you have a handful of tall grass that hasn't been cut and it's drying out, you can use that too. That could be considered an acceptable alternative. and it's a good way to weed, honestly. This would be also a perfect time to act on climate change and do what we can in our own way to help. 
planting drought-resistant plants, removing lawns, and planting vegetable gardens, or rock instead of something that requires water. Sand. It's gravel. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things out there that you can use in alternatives to a lawn. Setting up cisterns, finding alternative ways to be receptive to what is currently happening in our world. I mean, much of our extreme weather conditions are a direct result of what's going on with our climate. Um, we are not helping. So take that into consideration. So for my citations for today's episode, I used rylandpeters.com for a specific ritual for Lunasa. So what I do when I look for rituals, if I don't have access to my books, which I do, but I don't. And so I used online this time for almost everything is I like to click 10 pages back to give a chance to sites who may not have as much traffic and therefore are further back in the search engine algorithm. Um, so that's where I found rylandpeters.com and the website looks good. I feel good about it. I don't get any bad vibes off of it. And then, um, she actually has, or he, whoever it is, honestly, they have a ritual called Silja's Lunasa Ritual. And it's actually very, very beautiful. And I was really happy to see something like this on there. Um, sometimes we don't pay attention to the Sabbaths. We only pay attention to the full moons when we need to recharge or, you know, and sometimes they kind of get lost in the way. You will need a candle, some food to offer, and a feather. And you're going to prepare your sacred space, cast your circle, and raise your energy. Light your altar candle and say, Here I am on the first harvest, the sacred festival of Lunasa, seeking to understand life, death, and rebirth, and to honor those who have endured each. Lord and Lady, give me your insight. Then they want you to spend some time in quiet reflection on life and the bounty that Mother Earth gives us with the harvest. Place some food or harvest items on your altar and say, I thank you, Mother Earth, for the bounty you give us. I thank you, gods and goddesses, for your guidance and protection. And here is where she says that you can add specific instances from the last year if you like. So if there was something that came up, something that you got help with that you didn't even realize, or even if you did, that's where you could put it in. Perfect spot. As my goddess matures and her pregnant belly grows, so the harvest grows. The sun god is waning, but his energy still warms my body, and his strength strengthens my mind. I give you both this share of the harvest as a token of my thanks. After that, you're going to take your feather, preferably a colorful one. They suggest peacock or an iridescent black magpie feather. And lightly tickle your cheek with it. Smile and say... Lord Lu, Lady Gaia, come to me. The joy in everything, help me see. I may be stressed, but today I'll have fun, enjoy my food, and party with the sun. And here's where, if anyone in your family is sad, or takes things too seriously, maybe even a work colleague is under stress, you can start to visualize that person, and then imagine tickling them with your feather until they laugh. And that can kind of help to bring down some of that stress and anxiety that sometimes can happen in people. It's almost like releasing your energy in your body when people say to 
release your shoulders, release your jaw, and just breathe. So that's kind of the same thing. At this point, you're going to then close your sacred space as you wish. And then they have an altar decoration tip and explains where this, where she actually got this spell at the end of the ritual. So I, I do like this. I like it a lot because it can be something small you've grown, like a basil plant or catnip, or it can be that zucchini plant you've been working with all summer long and it's just huge. It's just a little something to not only honor the gods and goddesses, but also to have that sacred ritual in the first place. And so this is really a two for one ritual. You're honoring the gods and goddesses, and then you're also having that ritual to celebrate the Sabbath and do that spell work for, um, for yourself, for your family, and um, for the harvest and the bounty of it. So I really like it. The gods and goddesses associated with the harvest and with this Sabbath include Adonis, Baal, Serdwen, Demeter, Ishtar, Loki, Lu, of course, Odin, and Persephone. And these deities are the deities that you can pray to, you can ask for assistance from during your ritual, so as to help you focus, possibly, if you would like. And then for altar decoration, you can usually use things like bread, aloe, chamomile, apples, late summer berries, fenugreek, honey, pears, vegetables, grapes or wine, hollyhock, oak leaves, rose hips, sunflower, and vervain. And this will not only create a beautiful altar, but a beautiful offering for the gods and goddesses. And it doesn't have to be those things. Those are just some of the things that you happen to notice are this time of the year. They, they are harvested at this time of the year, or they are specifically grown at this time of the year. But if there's something else, maybe you grew an orange tree, and that's the first thing you were able to grow that's a pretty good offering. You know, maybe you're in an area that orange trees don't grow very well in. That's awesome. Use the tools that you have available to you. Like I've always said, you do not have to be rich to be a witch. And you can use what's available to you. When I was up in the hotel room getting ready for my surgery, I did take some my kit with me so that I could then prepare myself for the next day, be protected, and I used what I had because I forgot an altar cloth, and it turns out I had one of my dresses that I was going to be using so that I didn't have to unbutton anything or unzip any clothes or anything like that before the surgery as an altar cloth. And when I lit the candle that I had taken with me, it was absolutely amazing that I completely forgot a, a little a little um, uh, plate to put the candle on and so all of that wax from that protection candle dripped onto the the, um, the dress and I know some people would be pissed but I was like there's a reason for this and then of course my god candle dripped onto my dress a little bit too I was surprised by that and so I felt visited by not only the god but by the deities that I had asked to protect myself and to watch over the doctor and the surgical staff and everybody before they were getting ready during and after. And so that made me feel special and it made me feel like even though I don't do it often and I don't always ask for something, it made me feel very special that they chose to 
show their ability there that time. So that was very amazing for me to, to see that. And it's not the only time I've seen it, and it's never going to be one of those, oh, well, that's awesome. No, it's going to be, oh my gosh, that is amazing, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Every single time it happens. So I am actually still doing my tarot and divination in my year and a day. It's a bit behind, but I still bring it with me or get it out to read more about it. And of course, now that I'm healing, I can do a little bit more, a little bit faster. So I also recently bought a new deck that I have not opened yet. And I just got them cleansed. And I also found a new deck for my husband as well. So I actually pulled a one card spread today and for this week itself. It was a random one card pick. After closing my eyes, speaking it into the universe, I used a rule of three, and then I picked. I received the Knight of Wands. And any of you out there that do divination and tarot, you pretty much know what the Knight of Wands does. First and foremost, it's the element of fire. You've got, in my deck anyway, you've got a slain beast in the background. We see Bellerophon riding a pegasus. And, you know, that beast in the background that he's slain is the Chimera, with a lion's head, a goat body, and a serpent tail. In this iteration, we've got Bellerophon trying to fly to Olympus after he's done all of these deeds. Of course, foolishly, because Zeus gets mad, sends down that gadfly, bites Pegasus, knocks him to the ground. And, you know, basically telling him, you don't belong here, even though you've performed these deeds, your head is in the clouds, you need to have your feet firmly on the ground. So what this means to me is that there is a craving for new or more glorious adventures. Um, not necessarily adventures, but you never know. Anything could be considered an adventure, honestly. The knight is more of a leader, not a follower. And that can come in handy, but it can also hold him down. So it just depends on the outcome and what you're looking for. So... We always have to try to have that down-to-earth lens to appreciate those new ideas and to try and see things rationally sometimes so we don't get too lofty in our ideas. Yes, reaching for the clouds, reaching for the stars, reaching for the sky, those are great. Aspirations are awesome and we want to have them. But we also have to have that one foot on the ground so that we know where we are and we are slightly grounded as well. Often that card can represent a change in residence. But it can also be a new person in your life. Just remember to do your due diligence and pay attention to some of those warning flags that if it's a new person, they might be able to, might be putting out. So now you may be asking, what was my question to the universe? Well, it actually had to do with residence. My husband and I have been trying very hard to get into a house for our family as we currently live in a very small place that while rent-free, it is hard to maneuver with three adults, a dog, and two cats, plus all of our stuff. So we finally went ahead and looked into financing. And we have an approval number, regulations we need to follow for the type of, of house we can get and what we're approved for. But honestly, this, this card is one of the better pulls I've had in a while. And that's always good. So that makes me feel good. So I decided to review the episode of Motherland Fort Salem called Not Our Daughters. For those of you who are still watching the show, spoilers are coming as I discuss this episode and then break things down that I see in it. The episode opens up to a previously on, 
where the soldiers are setting up for war college. And the Camarilla is back. Rael is a new form of power from the Mother Fungus. I know, I know that that's not what they call it, but that's what I do. And then we see a traditional campaign video like you would see for the army now. The general is speaking. We see it as a recruiting video for the army. And after the opening credits, we see a massive storm that Abigail attempted to conjure last episode, as is her namesake. So she and Adil are arguing because she's heartbroken, um, because of things that she has said to him in the heat of the moment. He is ready to leave for his people. He wants to help them settle in a place. And so she doesn't want to admit that she's heartbroken over the fact that she messed up and she also doesn't want to hand fast with someone who isn't him that's a thing that they're doing as part of this season so they part ways and then we see a cute music montage with Tally and Abigail in the gym Abigail's working on her whip work Tally's studying the general's past not having much luck based on her visions from when she was connected to her. The elder bellwether is being dressed down by the general in another scene and is attempting to explain why they need to change the tests for potential witches, as it would be prudent given the facts they have as a result of infiltrating the spree. So we arrive later at a testing center and a news bite from Alder with that sickening smile. I just, I, she's very good as an actor at what she does but when I see those kind of smiles when I see those kind of behaviors in a scene it just makes my stomach turn because you know that they're just plastering on that falsehood they're just plastering it on just to get exactly what they want what they need out of it and I know that that's the whole way she is portraying this person this character but dang, it is frustrating to watch. We flash to the outside um, of the center and there are hordes of people chanting, not our daughters. Most of them are holding signs uh, that say not our daughters, but then there's a whole chunk of people that are saying things like a good witch is a bad witch. Or, a good, any good, what does it say? Any good witch is a dead witch. And I have to pause here because women and some men and children were persecuted because of people like that because in real life not just this show but in real fucking life people were persecuted burned tortured murdered because people thought they were evil we are not evil the hollywood bastardization of who we are is extremely frustrating to me because it's literally just continuing this propaganda against and showing that we're green-skinned, work-covered servants of Satan who obviously are doing it because of power or obviously are doing it because of greed or lust or any number of things. In my experience, the worst people out there are the ones who want to take that away because they think we have it. And I'm not picking on any one religion, but they know who they are. And it is sickening to 
see those kind of signs in a show right now when they could have gone such a different direction. I get it. That's a plot point. I understand that. It doesn't mean it doesn't frighten me in real world situations. We see some electronic devices being passed through with some help from their inside people. The girls and the general bellwether have a lunch. They talk about the hand fasting. They talk about um, why she actually brought them there because she didn't want to talk to her mom about hand fasting. All the while, Tally is actually drilling uh, the general about Alder's past and who these people are that she's seeing in her visions from when she was connected to her. I mean, you could literally see the tension in the air growing. It is ridiculously strong. So moving forward, we see playing cards where Rail and Abigail are looking at their eligible bachelors for their hand fasting. Weird to see them splayed out as like baseball cards with stats and stuff. It's it's weird. Basically, their duty is to become handfasted. They have a tour, basically, of two years, and uh, during that tour, it is their duty to produce an offspring, a witch offspring. They, Rael and Bellwether, have a heart-to-heart -heart about love and loss, and then they get orders to go to the new testing center opening to provide security and assistance for those entering the center. Anacostia and Scylla enter the event, and... It's it's pretty thick, to say the least. You got people everywhere just making poor decisions with their life and trying to force those poor decisions onto other people. The vice president arrives with his daughter and Tally to the center, and we see that he doesn't really know how to talk to her because of how things are unfolding for both of them. He feels like he's losing her and he can't protect her anymore. Tally tries to ease the tensions, and it actually seems to work. Both of them seem a little more warm towards each other by the end there. Penelope gets out, does her thing. General comes up and begins her speech about patriotism and pride. You know, the same old rhetoric we hear and see here in the real world. This very much reminds me of the gauntlet that women have to go through at an abortion clinic. For this girl that, that enters the testing center site and if any of you out there have gone through a procedure like this or have had to go through that gauntlet it's extremely terrible it's the best word I have for it it is hate-filled there is absolutely no love in it they literally want to slut shame you into keeping your child or shame you for having sex and needing to get a breast exam or for being a woman or any other thing that they think that is worthy in their eyes. But God is forbid if you take control of your life. And that's what this, this young girl is trying to do. She's just going to see if she's eligible and you can just see the fear on her face. So... Inside the center, there's some talking. They find out she's gifted. She's actually a witch. Then outside, we see a Molotov cocktail being thrown at the general. Rael has them all ducked just in time. The general gets a coded message from Anacostia about those devices that were planted around the center. 
And then the general and Abigail's mother start to game plan and make a decision about who to blame for why they're closing everything down right now. And they chose the spree. Instead of coming out and being honest with them and saying the Camarilla are back, they chose the spree. Which, eh, it's a strategic plan. There's a reason for it, I know. But military planning isn't my thing. Uh, as night descends, then we start to see the coded message program that they use is glitching and then a high intense pitch is sent out the group separates bellwether follows she follows someone who's dead i don't quite understand why but it's got to be her guilt but that's that's the way it works she that's the whole reason for this plot point she gets lured into the trap they want her voice back, voice box, so they start to beat the crap out of her. And, yeah. So the rest of the team is trying to disperse the crowd peaceably. Not working. It descends into chaos after the device sets off what looks like an EMP blast and a shockwave attached to it. Um, and then the police start to take people in and I mean it's literally just a scene from anything you've seen on the news it's ridiculous the rest of the team go to find Bellwether and help her just in the nick of time and then Rail finds a picture of herself on the ground after catching a glimpse of Scylla so yeah uh, then we see Rael and Tally in the hospital wing, talking to Abigail, waiting for her to wake up. Talking to each other, waiting for Abigail to wake up. And then she does, she has her little pity party and changes the topic. And then we see Tally go and confront the general. She wants to know who Nitka Patan is. She wants to know who this person is and why she's not in any of the history why the general just wiped her record I can see where they're taking the general Alder in this show similarities for current stuff that's going on it's hard to watch so it takes me a little bit sometimes to watch it well my witches it is that time and don't forget to do your research before performing a ritual for our upcoming Sabbath Enjoy the sun while we have it, and enjoy a bountiful harvest. Blessed be. Please don't forget to do your research. Thank you. Blessed be. <laughs>